CSG has simplified the complexity of business by delivering innovative customer engagement solutions that help companies acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. CSG manages billions of critical customer interactions every year, and you can find out more by visiting csgi.com. Hey, I'm Nicole Ferraro, a contributing editor at Light Reading. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. For these last few episodes of the year, we're going to revisit some of the bigger topics we've discussed earlier on in the podcast, starting today with an update from Ian Morris on what's happening with Open RAN. Ian joined the show back in August to talk about Open RAN's potential in the telco space, particularly as the UK government imposes a ban on using Huawei equipment. Ian is back to talk about what we've learned about Open RAN since then, whether or not the technology is living up to the hype, and what's likely in store for Open RAN in telecom next year. So listen, we spoke back in August about Open RAN. Um, at the time, we were talking about it as a possible solution to a couple of problems, notably that current RAN forces you to buy everything from the same vendor system. So Open RAN would provide more competition and interoperability. Um, but more urgently, it was being looked at as a way to address government-imposed bans on Huawei equipment. So what are some of the most significant developments we've seen around Open RAN since we last spoke about it uh, over the summer? A few things, I guess. Uh, I mean, there's always more noise and hype. That that, that sort of hype machine just carries on. And mm-hmm. um, increasingly, we, we hear it being uh, sort of banded around by promoters, but uh, government authorities as well. I mean, the, the UK in particular is making a really, really big push on open round, which ties in with the comment you just made about swapping out Huawei. Mm. Um, they, they'd already taken that decision earlier in the year, but they they actually had an announcement this week, a um, little bit unexpected, I think. I mean, we, we were expecting a telecom bill update, but um, but it's, uh, it's tightened up the restrictions on Huawei. So... Um, Companies were allowed to carry and still are allowed to carry on buying equipment from Huawei this year, but they won't be able okay. to install any of it beyond September next year. Um, and then if anything that's already there has to be taken out by the end of 2027. And the paper that they sort of published um, at the same time made a really big play on Open RAN. I mean, there's lots and lots of focus on the technology. I mean, they're, they're obviously really looking at this as the way to diversify the market. And, and it's it's kind of something they see as the answer to uh, the problem of vendor consolidation, I guess, and the fact that if you get rid of Huawei at the moment, you've only got Ericsson and Nokia, not not an ideal situation to be in, I think a lot of operators would say as well. And the question, I guess, really is whether Open RAN can measure up. But um, I mean, they, they, they really are putting a, a lot of weight behind it, which is, which is just really odd to see, I think, in a way from a public sector authority. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily a good thing for governments to be getting involved in the nitty gritty that much. I think if you, if you shift attention to what's going on among operators, I mean, you'll, you'll know in the US there's always talk from DISH. We've not really seen anything yet, but the, they keep sort of updating on their plans um, again, in the UK, Vodafone, which is, I guess, emerging as the sort of European cheerleader for Open RAN on the service provider side, they've 
I think since we last spoke, announced a commitment to it. So they're, mm-hmm. they're actually planning in the UK itself to use Open Run at about 2,600 sites. It's quite, a, it's quite a significant chunk of the Huawei footprint they have to swap out, where they've said they, they're, they're specifically going to use Open Run to do that. And they think that by 2022, that deployment will have started. So there's, mm-hmm. there's quite a few hurdles we have to get past first. This is the issue, you know, scaling the technology up overcoming some of the technical challenges you know it's probably not going to be used in urban areas for for another few years i mean where vodafone's talking about using it is in in rural markets that are less demanding um and then meanwhile over in japan you've got rakuten you know very very high profile company and it's constantly banging the drum for open ran and you know they they do claim to have used it in um urban areas and, and to have done so with a lot of success but it, it's you know, d- despite all their, this, despite all that push on it, and this, despite their messaging, it's it's still not really overcome the concerns of some really prominent operators. And it, it was interesting. Um, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but uh, Neville Ray, who's the chief, chief technology officer of T-Mobile US, came out with some comments at an investor conference that were really very critical of it. And you know, he wasn't sort of he wasn't sort of saying I'm I'm not interested in open run. I think it's rubbish. He's he, you know he, he made the point that he's open to innovation and um, you know and, and and wouldn't want to be seen as any kind of barrier in that regard. But it just hasn't really addressed some of the challenges as far as he's concerned. You know, he said the the cost issue. You know, that whether it will reduce costs is very much a TBD. And um, mm-hmm. you know, he said there are questions over research and development. You know, there are questions over is it feasible to work in these multi-vendor networks and have lots of companies that you have to integrate and what sort of operational complexities does that introduce into your network? So, you know, a lot of the concerns we've been hearing for years are still there. And, and I think that's the issue is that there's that the hype continues, but at the same time, it's not a technology that in his, in his words, actually is really ready for prime time. I think in the most demanding conditions, apart from Rakuten, that's the only real example that we've got of, of that happening. Got it. Okay, interesting. So you mentioned the the UK government um, being particularly in favor of Open Rand and, and recently coming out with a position paper on it or or a policy proposal. Or, yes. Um, how are they trying to encourage the adoption of Open Rand, um, and how are the telcos in the UK responding? Yeah, they've they've, they've set up a task force actually, okay. uh, led by a, a man called Ian Livingston, who used to be CEO of BT years ago, and it, and it includes a number of other. Um, significant people. I mean, Scott Petty, who's the CTO of Vodafone UK, sits on it. Um, you know, it's 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 an impressive list, and, and and their job really is to look for alternatives to um, Ericsson and Nokia. They're, 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 I think the full name of it is something like the Telecom Diversification Task Force. So cool. it it almost <laughs> sounds like an effort to make sure that there's equal representation in telecom operators right. of, 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 of minority <laughs> groups, but it's not. It's it's uh, <laughs> It's just it's just oddly oddly named, I think. But um, it's not specifically to do with Open RAN, but they've certainly made um, you know they've they've made clear that they see Open RAN as as the answer. And, and the reason is, I think it's just it wouldn't be feasible to try and create. You know, if you want to try and introduce another in- vendor into the market these days, the quickest and easiest way of doing it is to do it with Open RAN technology. I mean, for a start, that's the that's the way the operators say they want to go. They say they want more openness in the network. They want the freedom to mix and match components from different vendors. So it plays very much into that argument. And 
it just it offers a role to smaller companies, I guess, because it's a broader ecosystem of smaller players. It means you can have small software vendors there providing their, you know, their expertise that runs over general purpose equipment. Whereas trying to build a big sort of integrated company like an Ericsson or Nokia from scratch would just be, I don't know how you do that really. So, right. so I, I guess that's in that in that sense, I can see that it makes sense that they want to they want to put some backing into it. I think the question is how. You know, how do they do that? I mean, they have put some funding um, forwards and some of that, as I understand, will be used for a trial deployment of a network that um, a Japanese company, NEC, is going to, going to put up in Wales next year. Uh, it's a pretty small amount. It's only about 1.6 million. And then you've got an overall sort of pledge of about 250 million to help various telecom initiatives, which includes things like setting up R&D facilities. And, you know, on the one hand, I think it's quite welcome to have the government sort of creating the conditions where innovation can thrive. But as I say, I think the, the concern is whether they just overstep the mark a bit. You know I, know, I know a number of analysts are a little bit worried about governments coming in and saying networks in future have to be based on ORAN alliance specifications. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it might sound like a nice thing to do because it's all about openness and competition, but it, it is actually a system that is favoured by certain companies. And it's a system mm-hmm. that, you know that that has that has flaws, and it's it's quite right that um, companies like Ericsson and, and Huawei, yes, of course they have a vested interest in you know you could say in, in knocking open RAN and saying it's you know it's um, you know it's not it's not uh, it's not going to measure up, but they make some they make some very um, fair observations I think about the technology shortcomings at the moment, and uh, I just think driving people towards a specific type of technology is not really what i want i'd like to see governments do and it's not just the uk i mean you you have deutsche telecom in germany i, I was on a call an earnings call with the, the ceo a, a few months ago i think and he was saying he was even encouraging his government to sort of mandate open ran in, in future in the network and i just I, I don't know if that's really what we'd want to see happen and hmm. it was nice to hear ian ian livingston when he was on a parliamentary um committee session weeks ago was was actually urging caution in this area himself he was saying you know what, what we really want is a mixture of players some of them doing open ran and some of them doing proprietary equipment and some of them doing this and it's, it's it's almost like saying you know we can't allow apple to compete in the market anymore on, on for for smartphones and and macs because it does everything in an integrated way and it's uh you know, that we, we want companies to come along and just provide components so that people build their PCs from scratch. It's, it's almost like sort of weighing in and designating anything that's uh, that's not open ran as, as wrong and evil in some way. And I, I just right. don't I, I don't think it's necessarily a healthy thing for governments to be doing. So, yeah, they are they are doing it, but it's a concern, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tricky for sure. Um, So with everything we've seen with Open RAN this year, in addition to your concerns over government mandates, what are some of your takeaways um, from this year and what are you going to be looking out for next year as far as Open RAN goes? Yeah, I mean, I I guess I I want to be looking out for really signs of of commercial deployment. I mean, maybe it's maybe next year even is a bit early to expect anything, but, you know, always interested to hear what's going on from DISH. Um, I think we need to see... Rakuten, you know, it's 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 made a good, you know, it's 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 made a good push on the technology and it's made some bold claims for it, but it still has a very small subscriber base. You know, and they were talking about 1.6 million customers. 
um, just a couple of weeks ago. And you, that's in a market where, you know, it's a big market, Japan. It's, can't remember, I don't know the population size, actually. But you look at the big players like NTT Docomo, they're talking about 80 million subscribers. So they're, they're small, you know, and as they scale up, First of all, can they scale up quickly? We, we need to see that happen, I think. And as they scale up, does the network hold up? You know, they, they, they say it will, um, because that's that's a real proof point, I think. And it's only when that happens that we, you know, that we can be entirely confident. We can't just sort of take their word for it, I don't think. And, you know, and then, and then we need to look at other possible greenfield players. I mean, United Internet in Germany is another company that's talked about using Open RAM, but we've not heard much ab- about it since they... You know, since they um, first said that a few months ago, um, and and Vodafone is one to watch. I think not only in the UK, but perhaps you know in other European markets, maybe they'll start to do things. They they have a small deployment going on in Ireland, as it happens, with a US firm called Parallel Wireless and a few other vendors they're working with there. That's actually supposed to launch services maybe this month or next month, um, but it's it's. It's kind of greenfield. It's I think it's just thirty sites in in a part of Ireland, and they weren't you know they weren't sort of served previously. I think with four G. So, um, it, but it's an interesting test case. So, so I, I think looking for the evidence of of how the technology is working out is 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 yeah. what I'm going to be looking for first of all, and then and then basically on the vendor side, just can some of these issues be addressed? You know, I mean, I, I wrote quite a long thing this week about the cost arguments, and I, I think yes. diversity. Everyone very, should read it. It was great. Thank you very much. Very yeah, illuminating. But, but, yes. but it, I, I think, you know, the, the the question is why are operators doing it? Because years ago when it first came around, cost seemed to be a much bigger deal than it is now. And I think some of the some of the shines come off that argument, really. It's mm-hmm. it's you're probably not going to be able to save as much as uh, the proponents would make out. And there's even a concern you might end up spending more on oper- operating costs if you're having to manage lots of companies, if you're having to use a systems integrator. So, you know, it's it's then, you know, why are why are companies using it? If it is just about diversification, then it's important that we have the confidence that those, you know, those other companies that come into the market, are they, you know, is, is a situation where we have several RAN providers, a, a, you know, a sustainable one? Because we've gone through a period of consolidation where, you know, you go back 20 years and there were maybe nine, 10 companies selling radio access network equipment. We're, we're down to three giants now. Um, you know, the conditions were, tif- were difficult. O- operators were sque- clearly squeezing companies, um, yeah. which is why takeover activity happened. No doubt Huawei with its low prices had an impact. But, you know, I just wonder whether some of these open RAN players end up getting swallowed up themselves, you know, and there's, there's nothing to stop. I know they, they sound resistant at the moment, some of the big vendors, but... There's nothing to stop them from doing it as well. So, you know, what happens if we, 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 I don't think operators would be very happy if we ended up in a situation where it's open round, but it's open round done just by Ericsson and, and right. perhaps one or two others. That kind of defeats <laughs> yeah. the purpose of diversifying the market. So, yeah. So I think it's, you know, there's lots, there's lots of questions that need to be answered, but the, the, the real thing, I suppose, in the next few months of 2021 is, is just looking out for what's happening on the deployment front and, hearing more from the guys that are pioneers, I guess. Awesome. Well, we'll be looking to you to make sense of all of it uh, next year and beyond. Thank you, Ian, as always. Thanks, Nicole. Fantastic to talk to you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ian, for your time today. Thank you to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. And thank you for listening. 
If you like what you heard, please leave us a review, share this episode with a colleague or friend, and subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. That's the story for now. See you next time. CSG has simplified the complexity of business by delivering innovative customer engagement solutions that help companies acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. CSG manages billions of critical customer interactions every year, and you can find out more by visiting csgi.com.